0: Hello, and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed, or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at ten thirty. either way we would love to be able to get to know you and regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today thank you so much for joining us hey good morning hey if you're new i'm charlie the lead pastor here and really glad that all of you are worshiping with us today and um uh Like uh, Jason mentioned earlier, we are starting a new series today. We're doing a series on giving and finances. And if you've been around here for a while, you'll know this is just a—it's a tradition. We talk about it. We spend some time talking about it every year. It is far and away um, one of the most stressful, if not the most stressful, anxiety-inducing, relationship-breaking issues that there are. Jesus talked about it all the time, and it's of incredible importance. If we're gonna—if we want to live a life That is honoring to God, we've got to figure out how to get this, we've got to figure out how to get it under control. So we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about it, and um, these are going to kind of build on each other. So I just really would encourage you, regardless of the sensitivity of the topic, to try, try to make it a priority to be back. As we can just kind of get a fuller sense of really what it is that God is wanting from us with our giving and our finances. So I just encourage you with that, and real quick, just a quick announcement uh, for the third year in a row, we've done the last couple of years. We've done some financial campaigns near the end of the year to kind of raise some money for some extra things, and we're going to be launching another one of those again this year. And at the very end of the sur- and at the very end of the service, we'll show a video uh, where I'll just kind of talk a little bit about that. We've got a lot more details, a lot more things that we're going to talk about. I'm really excited about it. Um, it's going to be a really cool way, I think, to help us get better connected. To what all the cool things are around the world that our church is giving to and supporting, and so I think it 'll be a great thing, so we 're going to be introducing that a lot more details to come later um, when we were setting up this uh, this series, our awesome uh, finance i mean our awesome uh, creative director Abigail sent me just kind of a rough draft of this bumper and this idea of calling the series domino effect it was really It was really good for me. I just thought about just. Just that idea about how one step, one decision, really can just kind of have this rippling effect. So, and the thing that has been on my mind this week is our youngest daughter, Layla. She's turning twelve tomorrow. So her birthday is tomorrow. So birthday eve for her. But I'm sure if you saw her, she'd be more than happy for you to wish her a happy birthday. She loves attention, certainly around birthday she does. And um, I was thinking about this because it was the summer of two thousand and six. Our family had just moved to central Arkansas to work with Fellowship Bible Church Little Rock to plant a campus for them in, in Cabot. At the campus, a deal where they talked about foster care and adoption. And it was on that Sunday in 2006 that God really just kind of stirred ministry only of a ministry called the Call that was going to encourage Christians to become foster parents, and so I was just really kind of undone by that, and said, "God, I think there's something that you want me to do." So we kind of took some steps to kind of learn some more about that, and then a couple of years later, we made a decision as a church in Cabot to try to bring this thing called the Call from Pulaski County to our county on the board of 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 that of that chapter the the uh, the low county chapter of that and mobilized our to get really more involved and then we moved here in 2010 and it just so happened all was getting launched here in northwest Arkansas and some and they called me and said hey would you be willing to come speak at our launch banquet and so then that led to hey you willing for your church to kind of host a informational meeting about people becoming foster parents so now we are in February of 2011, and there's just kind of been this series of decisions of responding to kind of these things that I feel like God is stirring in that lead us to February 2011, where I look at my wife, like, maybe we should sign up for this. And we had some conversation back and forth. It feels like a big commitment. Da, da, da. But they had it real easy, where like the first four steps of becoming foster parents, you could just do. All right, there's like we're not signing in blood. We just we just do it. We just do it, and so we did. And it wasn't until much later that the math on that kind of hit me that that decision was nine months before the birth of Layla Lofton, and ultimately last foster care kid placement. And it was just this series of things of just one thing led to another, led to another, led to another. Where God turned our, our world and our family upside down in the best possible way you can imagine. And, and life works that way. You, where you, you take one step of faith. You take one step forward with God. And the rippling effect throughout your life for years and years to come are impacted. And when we make a decision, I was thinking about this with respect to specifically with our giving. We made that decision 30 years ago. It'll be 30 years in June that Heidi and I got married. It'll be 30 years we made a decision that even with the little amount we were making then, that no matter we're going to be a family that gave the first and best of what we have, we're going to give it back to God. And 30 years later, the rippling impact of that in our family in the churches that we've been a part of, in the missions and the groups and the people that we've been able to help in in the the impact that it has had in our community, this rippling impact of what can happen when you make a decision to say, I'm going to be faithful to God with my finances. And I want you to think about this in your life because there are a few key dominoes that I think that need to fall for us in order for us to really be in a place where Everything's right with our finances. God and I, we're right that I'm honoring God with my life and especially in my financial life. There's some key dominoes that need to fall. First thing we knew, we need to get right with God. with this. We need to recognize God's rightful place and that's what we're going to talk about today. If we, can, if we can get that first domino to fall. The next one is that we're going to start seeing the favor of God in our life in a way that we've never seen before. And then if, when that happens, when you see that God blessing and that favor, then what happens is you begin to experience multiplying impact that your faithfulness, generosity can have in your church, in your community, in your world. And so this is kind of how we're going to unfold it over the next few weeks. Like I said, these are going to build on each other. I really encourage you to keep coming back. So I think we need a, a, a fuller picture of what it is that God is wanting to do in us and with our finances. So we're starting today. We're going to talk about kind of really what does it mean. What is it really that God requires of me? What does God, what does God really want from me with my finances? So we're going to go all the way back to the very beginning, really, Genesis 4. And we're going to look at a story that involves the very first. Born on the planet, right? Adam and Eve were created. This is the next, this is the next generation, Cain and Abel. And I know if some of you who know this story are thinking, bro, you're introducing, uh, you're talking about giving. And uh, the passage we're going to is about murder? No, you, you, you'll, you'll see it. It really is. There's an interesting thing, even though this, this story does end in murder. We're going to stop before we get to that part. But the really cool. Thing, I think that, that there's, there's a nugget that's kind of trapped in here that I want us to make sure. Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 2. Later, she, talking about Eve, uh, Eve, gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So, again, the story does end with Cain being so mad about this situation that he kills his brother. But what, what's, what's happening? So, we have this thing where we got this guy, we had Abel, who's a, who's, who's a ranch. You got Cain, who's a, who a crop farmer. And it comes a point where like, they make a decision that they are going to give offerings to God. The interesting thing about this is, there's no indication we don't have any need to do this. There's there's no written plan that we have or any account of God telling them that we want that, that they're supposed to do this. And the people who are reading this story, as it was being as, as as at the time that this at Genesis was written, were the Israelites coming out of of Egypt back to their promised land, trying to reorient themselves about what it means to be a follower of God. And so it is it is it is Notice it is, I think, that in one of these very things about the way the world works and about how God works, that this would be in there, that it is just, it's really just kind of built into the fabric of who we are that they are supposed to be giving of what God has given to him. But it says that God looks at one of them, and looks at one of them unfavorably. But, well, what's the difference? Because this is really, I think, one of the troubling maybe aspects of this passage is is that it wasn't that was faithful in giving to God and Cain was not. They both gave something. But God looked at favor with one and and, and not at favor with the other one. So some people say, well, it's because God wants animal sacrifices and it should be be animals. One gave animals and one gave crops. But that's really not, this isn't a sin sacrifice. This is an offering, and all of the offerings described all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament are not around like the specifics of what you give, but that you are giving from what you have. So it wouldn't have mattered that a farmer was giving crops, because that's what a farmer had. It can't, it's, not, it's not that. I think it is found in, in the wording here. It says that Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil, but it describes Abel's this way fashions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Essentially, what he's saying is there is that Abel gave some of the best of the first of what he had, and Cain gave something. And the contrast between those that, that, that phrasing, and I think I want to say it this way, that giving your best back. Has always been the standard. It's always been the standard. And so Cain gave something, and God was like, That's not it. That's not what I want. I don't want you to do something. And then Abel, he gave the best of the first of what he had. It says that God looked on favor with that. And so this was Abel's side. I'm going to give back to God the, a, tenth, a, a tenth, a portion, a portion of the best and the first of what I had. I don't know how many of y'all, I'm not talking to the kids here, I'm talking to the adults. How many of you adults, you had a great Halloween? I don't know if you had a great Halloween. You know, you want your kids to have a good Halloween, and then they go to bed, and then you get to have a good Halloween, right? And there's a phrase, there's a phrase that's kind of become popular uh, around the, uh, to talk about what this is, the dad tax. You know about the dad tax? Right? Come on now. Like, it's like, you, you, hey, we, hey, look, we got some candy. They went and got the candy, but then we, we, we got the candy. And so here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to know. You have theological and biblical justification <laughs> for the dad tax. The first, the best part goes to the dad, right? So this is what we have here. We're establishing this principle from the very beginning. A portion of what I earn, of what I get I give, it back, I give it back to God. It, it belongs to him. And the timing, I think, of this is incredibly important too because there are some people, as you try to make a case for why it is important for Christians to tithe, and tithe is just simply an old Engl- t- taken from an old English word that just means tenth. It's just tenth. It comes from the Hebrew word that's described here that just means tenth. Right, as we describe this, oh well, you know, the Old Testament, it's the law, and it's in the law, and Jesus said, you know, that we don't have to follow the law anymore, and Paul's really important on that. It's really not about, we're not supposed to follow the law anymore, we're supposed to just follow Jesus. This is years before anybody wrote one law, before before Moses, before any of the Old Testament law. This is not about an Old Testament. Regulation that Jewish people were supposed to follow. Cain and Abel—they weren't Jewish. They were just they were just people. They were the first people, and it was and it was clearly, again, off book. It is clearly communicated to them that this is just a principle about the way our relationship with God is supposed to work. And you do see it in the Old Testament and the Law, and you see you see the principle expounded upon. I think not negated, but expounded upon in the New Testament to describe what this relationship is supposed to be. And I really do believe that this is absolutely critical for us because what this did for them, and again, the difference between Cain and Abel, what this did for them and the potential of what it has to do for us, it is a recognition of lordship. It is a recognition that, that, that I am submitting myself to God. And if I'm going to submit myself to God, I need to submit all areas, including this one. This thing about money and stuff. God knew. God knew what was kind of wired into us. This greed that we have, this selfishness that we have, this thing that tends to happen where if there's anything that can tend to rule us, it's money and stuff. And I would not imagine that there is one person in this room that wouldn't say, you know what, I don't want that. I don't, I, I, want, I want to rule my money. I want, I want to be the one that is in control of my money and stuff, not the obsession or the desire for more that my money and stuff controls me. So I want this to be under me, but the way that that works is... is that I'm submitting this to God. And the principle from the very beginning is that we have to make this step of faith and trust and worship and lordship to God to say, I'm gonna take the first and best of what I have and I'm going to give it back to you. So we'll fast forward here in time a little bit to the very end. We'll go from the very beginning of the Old Testament to the very end of the, New- the Old Testament. The beginning of the Old to the, to the end of the Old in Malachi chapter 3. And understand where we are historically. Israel used to be one big kingdom. It got split in two. The northern kingdom got taken into captivity and never came back. The southern kingdom went into captivity. But ultimately, we're able to return from exile And were able to rebuild their nation in some way. They were still kind of a a, a state underneath a larger empire. But they were finally allowed them to go back to their homeland. Reestablish their culture. Their traditions. To reestablish their nation in some way. And part of this is they're wanting to reestablish their religion. Their connection with God. Their culture. All of these different things. So we've returned from exile. And we've got this prophet Malachi who lived during that time. Trying to help them understand if you're going to rebuild what it means to be an Israelite, to, to be a Jewish person, to be someone who was one of God's chosen people. He's a prophet kind of helping them figure this out. So, in that, we have this passage in Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? So this is again the idea, returning. They were here, like physically. Now they are returning to Israel. Like you're returning, you're here. You're rebuilding your homes. You're reclaiming your land. You're reestablishing your culture. But are you going to return to me? You ask, how are we to return? Verse 8, will a mere mortal rob So in addition, uh, giving, the best back, giving your best back to God has always been the standard. And I, I want to say just even a little bit stronger here. The first of what you have, it belongs to God. It belongs to Him. It, 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 it is His. This is some of the strongest language that you're going to find in Old Testament, New Testament, anywhere to describe the way that God views that, that tithe, that first tenth. He uses the phrase "rob." You are robbing me. You are stealing from me. That thing that you're keeping, it belongs to me, and you're holding on to it. And he uses this incredibly strong language, especially for a guy like me. Like I'm trying to be chill. You've been around here just even a few weeks. Hey, I'm chill, man. We're good, right? I'm not trying. To, I'm not trying. I'm. Try, I'm. I know, I'm not trying to pressure anybody in anything. I'm just trying to be cool. You like me? I like you. I got. I got an issue. It's my own. It's my own thing. I got. And so I would never use this phrase. I would never use it. I would never say, "Hey, you, when you hold on to this, you're robbing the church." I would never talk like that, because really, this isn't what I'm saying. Because I consider as the as the pastor here and kind of the the head of this organization that exists, I consider any 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 gift that you give to be a, an incredible act of generosity and partnership, and I love I love that. I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not, I'm not trying to trying to make sure that you're given exactly what it is you're supposed to give. I don't, I don't, I don't have the, I don't, I don't, I don't have the desire to do that. I don't have the skill set. I don't have your W two. Like, I, there's like, I don't, I don't, and I'm not trying to find out. I'm trying to look and see what everybody's giving. That's not what I'm trying to do. I consider what you're doing any act of partnership. I appreciate. And so I just want to make sure that we're clear that as we're talking about this, we're not talking about what your partnership and relationship to this organization is supposed to be. Because what we're talking about here is what God is saying, what your relationship with him is supposed to be. And he says that that portion, it belongs to him. It is not simply a funding mechanism for the the Israelite temple and the priests who are not allowed to have cattle and crops of their own. It ultimately, it became that. It is not simply the funding mechanism for churches and missions organizations. It becomes that. But that's not what we're talking about here. Because this principle existed in Genesis chapter 4 when there was no organization to give it to. When they gave it to God, it was just, just, they just, they lit it on fire to give it back to him. It was, it was, this was not about funding an organization. This was about this process of I'm going to make sure that my money is, is not the master of me. And the way that I do that is to make sure that God is also the master of my money. He's the master of me. Therefore, he's also the master of my money and stuff. And what God says is, is that it, it belongs to him. And I think that really just, it it just kind of ramps it up here a little bit in our brain that this really is an act of obedience and lordship. It's really important to me when I talk to you about the commands of God that I really want to make sure that you get a full picture that you understand all of the blessing that comes from it and and all the reasons why. And every every command that God gives you is really for your benefit. It's not about rules and regulations that you need to follow. But sometimes, in my desire to communicate that to you, it can come across, I think, in my own brain. I'm kind of listening to myself that sometimes that, that that I say, but this is what God wants from you. This is what God is asking you to do. This is really this is a this is a command and God doesn't suggest things he doesn't he doesn't really ask for things he, he he tells us and so that's why I want to put this into its own a different category for us a category of lordship and obedience we will spend some time even at the end of today and certainly over the next couple of weeks talking about these Rippling, these domino effect, this kind of multiplying impact of benefit that comes to us when we do this. But really, I, I want you to hear this. That I believe that the first domino that needs to fall for you is, is this is an act of obedience. This is me making a decision in my heart, in my life, in my family's heart, in my family's life that we are going to put what we have and submit that and give that to God. It's an act of obedience on my part. Sure, God does say, if you'll do that, I'll do this. And if this, and then this, and then this, all these good things. But that first domino, I'm not doing God a favor by giving back to God what he says belongs to him. mean you, you, you do, you do, We're doing each other a favor, by, by giving it here, yeah, sure, but here. But between you and God, again, put the church out of it for a second. Between you and God, it's an act of obedience. And here's the thing that tends to happen. I don't know if you've been a part of churches like this, or maybe you maybe, maybe you are a little bit of a person like this. We start talking about this, hey, that first tenth, that tie that belongs to God. Then we start to ask what I feel like are kind of real... Uh, Minutia, just kind of overly detailed kinds of questions. Well, uh, so so far, Charlie, uh, you've, only, you've only mentioned the Old Testament, and we're we're not Jewish people. We're the uh, New Testament. Okay, okay, sure, sure, sure. Like, wait, 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 wait. Let me ask you this, Mister Smart Preacher Guy, no Stuff? You talking? Is it ten percent uh, before tax or after tax? Oh, please. What about? I mean, does it all have to go to the church? Or can it go somewhere else? And, and, we, and we, we haggle over these details as if that's the issue. Like that's the thing that's holding you back. What's holding you back is the question of whether or not it's pre-tax or post-tax. Well, it doesn't really belong to me. The government took it first. I mean, okay, well, we can have that discussion if you'd like. And, but let me just say this. I think we're missing the point when we kind of get stuck in those questions because then all of a sudden you can, you mentally can become someone who's like, I'm going to send a check in for $217.46. Because sometimes it feels, I'm not trying, <clears throat> sometimes it feels like we're just trying to make sure we don't accidentally God give, give God too much. And that if we just kind of, I, I, I got to make sure I got to get, because I, I got to make sure I do this just right. This isn't about following a rule. This is about a heart decision that we make to say that I'm going to take this part. I'm going to take everything that I have comes from God. And God has said he wants this part back. And I don't want us to be the kind of people that kind of get lost in this. And I don't understand the biggest challenge that some of us have in all of this really isn't, it, It's not the details. It's how, how, how am I going to do this? Because most of us have gotten ourselves in a situation where a 10% reduction in what we're spending is not really a possibility. We feel overwhelmed. And it doesn't matter if you have a little bit of money, if you have a lot of money. It feels like a lot for everybody. If you, if you don't have very much, you're like, 10% is a lot for me. But if you have a lot of resources, 10% is just... It is a lot of money, and it doesn't really matter where you fall in. It it feels like a lot, And and I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get from where I am to where I need to go. And again, there are a lot of different resources and people out there, lots of different financial people that can help you with these sorts of things, and I would love to be able to connect you with any and all of them. But before we get to that, we've got to make a decision. Am I willing to push over the first domino? This is what I want. I want to say yes to what God says. I want this act of obedience in my life. Yeah, and then we figure out the steps on how to get there, and we can work out some of the details. But today we're making a different decision. And the thing that he says here at the end of the passage, he talks about that, that they are under a curse. He says, test me though and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. We're going to we're, we're spend almost our entire time next, Wednesday, next Sunday talking about this specifically. This idea of what does it mean for God to bless us. But I think it's, it's in this passage and I think it's important For us to understand this principle, which is this, is that both obedience and disobedience, both both have consequences. They both have consequences. Now, God did have a unique relationship with Israel, a very land-based, prosper-based sort of relationship, all sorts of very specific promises. If you want to to do well in this land, you follow these rules. If you don't follow these rules, you're going to have these sorts of problems. If you follow these rules, you're going to have this sort of blessing. A very physical sort of covenant. We have a different covenant. We We have a spiritual covenant that is through Jesus that is not based on these rules, but is based on the grace and the forgiveness that comes through Jesus' death on the cross. But this principle, it existed in Genesis 4. It exists here in Malachi, and it exists in 1 Corinthians in the New Testament when Paul says almost the exact same thing. When we disobey, there's consequences. When we obey, there are consequences. And sometimes we think of it in terms of punishment and reward. If I don't do right, God's going to punish me. And if I do good, God's going to give me good things. I want you to think of it not in terms of punishment and reward, but in terms of consequence. Because if I were to say to you, have you ever experienced any consequence from not being faithful with God with your money? Ever experienced any anxiety? Ever felt like that greed and fear are overwhelming you? Ever feel like there's a block between you and God because of this? I don't have to describe this in any detail because this is true for so many of us. That when things aren't right between us with and God with our finances, I, f- I feel consequence. But when you make a decision that I'm, I'm gonna give this for a lot of us this most important thing, this most difficult area of my life, and I'm gonna trust that to God. The peace and the joy and the blessing. We'll say it this way for now, and we'll look at it again more in depth next week. Now, the favor of God is on you and your money and stuff. And there is a freedom and a joy and a peace that comes from that that's difficult to describe. And I've had several people over the last couple of weeks just kind of talking about other things, just telling me about decisions that they made in the last year or two to kind of take that first step, to push that first domino down. And they say things, man, I used to be so stressed. I didn't know how this was going to work. But I've never missed one dollar that I've given back to God. And I don't know. they, They can't put real words to it. But the blessing and the favor that I feel it's overwhelming. So again, we're going to spend some time talking about how that can play out, how it plays out in a lot of different people's lives and how our desires is going to play out in yours that you can experience the favor of God and you can experience the joy that comes from investing that, and that is having a rippling impact in our community and world and all of these awesome things. But right now, in this moment... We have a decision to make. Are we going to push over that first domino? Am I going to continue to live with this idea that, that generous giving, that tithing is graduate school level? It's above and beyond level of what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus. Or am I going to make a decision right now to push over that first domino? Even if I don't know in this moment how I'm going to get there. That I'm going to push over that first domino to say that, God, I choose as an act of faith and obedience to submit my finances to you. Let me pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you that there's even a possibility, that there's even a potential answer out there in the world. God, as we all just get overwhelmed by anxiety and fear, around money and it just seems hopeless and endless God I'm just thankful that there, there are answers out there there is hope out there now God I just pray that we would have the courage to choose it that we would be willing to push that first domino over and make a decision to say that i I want to respond to your love and your lordship in my life with faithfulness. And so, God, I pray that you give us the courage and the faith to believe that on the other end of this is the life, God, that you've called us to have. And we're so thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, who makes all of that life even possible through his sacrifice, his death, and his resurrection. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast. which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.